a street fight. I am your host, Brian. Uh, and this week I have a guest that shares my birthday, number one. Yep, birthday buddies. Yep, we're birthday buddies. So there's never been a birthday buddy co-host. I got Charles Starr from, your, are you doing A-Lab, A-L-A-B? I am. Yeah. I am doing A-Lab. Lawyer. I am doing A-Lab. a fucking lawyer in the house that I... That's right. ...actually do message sometimes and try to uh, mm-hmm. build my arguments. <laughs> I, yeah, I am. I, uh, I don't suggest emailing me for legal advice, but I do have to admit that uh if you come to me with a reasonable enough question i will try to keep you out of uh trouble with 800 disclaimers in front of it yeah i the last time i i the last law advice i asked you for was because i was pissed off at beans tv because they wouldn't let me wear my cool shirts (laughs) when i was filming the tv show i was like will you fucking tell (laughs) me Like, I was so mad, dude. I had all these cool clothes. And then motherfucker said, you can't have any labels on your shirt. So I lost my fucking mind and was like, I was messaging you. I think I messaged, like, a couple other people, too. Like, come on, people that have done TV. Like, all that shit. I met, And yeah. basically, it was like, in the end, it didn't fucking matter. Right. Because yeah, I mean, but it, my advice, like this is, you'll find this out. My standard advice in situations like that is always the same. And the advice is always just let it go. Yeah, you're not because gonna you're not going to win. And it's like, you just have to fucking eat that pain, man. Get Hagen dazs or whatever, <laughs> because there's, there's no good outcome where you stand on the principle of cool shirts. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. And it, it ended up actually like, I think the reason I finally snapped and texted you was because I started to have this weird anxiety about people thinking I wear the same shirts every day. <laughs> no, that's good though. That is a good anxiety. You don't want anyone thinking you're like Steve Jobs. Well, I did you know? that. I did that in in I was very weird about that actually growing up and in school too, where it was sort of like I you know, I don't want to like uh 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 people to think I wear the same shirt. So I like basically had a calendar set up. Like what's oh, the wow. time I wore that fucking shirt. And like I one of the things I do and my life now is a little different, but had done for a long time was like, it was this sort of weird, like restriction where it was like, if I like that shirt, I can only wear it one time a week. And uh, yeah, well, that's a good restriction. Yeah. Like that is, that is like, I mean, I don't know. I grew up. Uh, well, I grew up well off enough that I had plenty of mediocre shirts to choose from. So like I didn't have an issue of repeating and like I was just that not repeating is literally the extent of my fashion consciousness. <laughs> I couldn't match anything. I like every it would be jeans every day. You know, with just a few, like I would wear the shit out of jeans. Those things could walk themselves, you know, uh, but I would like, I would just wear jeans. I had the fucking tube socks, you know, <laughs> like, I, you know, what's funny, that kind of shit, not fancy sneakers, not like, it's not like I was going to 
you know, the cheap shoe store or anything, but I also wasn't buying the cool you things because I wouldn't have known what they were and I didn't care, you know, it, like, so it was just, I was like, people talk about like John Harbaugh, the, like the, you know, the brothers who coach, you know, Michigan and uh, the Ravens or whatever. And they talk about them shopping at Kohl's. I'm that guy now. I was that guy then. <laughs> you know, no real sense of fashion at all. I was you a know? Coles guy for, I mean, Coles is like really a place for when you have a kid that is like young enough that you don't have time to care about any kind of fashion stuff for me. So oh, I, yeah, I was a Coles guy for a really long time, but then as my kids started getting older and I convinced myself that, okay, well, if I'm going to be on stage, I have to look really good. But the, the truth is like, I was dressing. I was like that when I was in high school too. I was very yeah. much like a, a, I need these clothes. And my parents had five kids. So they, uh -huh. wouldn't buy us fucking shit i mean like <laughs> i i always think about my parents i think about my parents it's like such a weird thing where it's like i know that my dad made really good fucking money and i know that my uh uh stepmom made really good decent money i mean she was she was maybe more on the lower end but they had five kids so they didn't get to live like people that had money and then right as right as soon as we were all moved out my stepmom quit her job so they never they never got to live like real we have money life and uh i find that very funny <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, there is there is something to that. I mean, one of the like, if you don't have money, this is not going to be anything that's meaningful or sympathetic to you. But like people talk about, you know, you buy your own, you buy your house, right? And when people buy a house, they very often buy like as much house as they can afford, right? <laughs> whether it's whether it's for location or for size or whatever, people just buy as much house as they can afford. And then they have technically just as much money, maybe even more if the real estate market is booming, but they're completely illiquid. Like having a house is like, you know, it's also a white elephant and you can't spend it. You've already mm -hmm. spent it. Right. That's what, so I the mean, so the phrase is house poor. Right. <laughs> right. And if you don't have a house, that's a big fuck you phrase. But if you do and you sort of know what that means, it's like you have this big asset, which is comfort and security, but you can't buy nice stuff. Yeah. Because you have no, you have no cash flow. It's just you're you're still living off of your normal income, and so your kids are set, but you don't get to actually enjoy that money. Yeah, you just have unless you want to turn it into a loan, and now you're a guy who has a big fucking loan on top of your mortgage. Yeah, I mean they they had a mortgage. And, but the, what, what, what my parents did, I've, I've talked about it a few times. They're very funny. They're very much like exactly what the, the sort of baby boomer dream is, is that, yeah, they, they made decent money, but they had too many kids, but they also bought like sort of luxury items on credit. 
a lot. So <laughs> it would be like, oh, hey, we got a, you know, first of all, a mid-price sedan. Like a, a, right. a, they got a convertible that was a Chrysler Sebring. And just bragged about it constantly. I love that. I actually, I'm normie enough that I love that car. I looked at that car when I was buying a car. I looked at getting a convertible Sebring. I ended up, I mean, I live in New York. I ended up not getting a convertible at all, you know. Uh, But when I was, when I was, when I was in my 30s, like I bought my only ever new car. And it was like a Pontiac Grand Am for like. car you can get. That's the uh, I liked it. Car it was 19 buy. grand and I loved it. It really? was like 19 new and I loved that thing. It felt almost like a sports car, even though it's like mm. obviously not. They you fall know. apart. Those motherfuckers. Oh, We've talked about Let it. me tell you, I beat it to the punch by driving it into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we used to talk about it all the time on here is like anybody who has ever been like super broke and had to buy a car at like a buy here, pay here or something like that. They'll get a grand damn because the goddamn thing looks like you look at it and you're like, this is kind of like a, a Corvette. It's pretty. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't look bad. I've had three of them and all three of them totally fucking shit the bed. Like, no, man. I made, I, I avoided that. I crashed that car. I crashed that car on my honeymoon. Nice. That's <laughs> that is a, story. a bad time to crash a car. That's the story. I went up to my, I took my wife up to my college town. And uh, we went on like a wine tour. This is the Finger Lakes. And uh, I went to Cornell. It's been on my Twitter feed. Don't make fun of me for it being too fancy or not fancy enough. Um, And so we go to the wine and, and Finger Lakes wine is garbage. Right. It's I like I couldn't believe it. The first place we went, we we like taste one wine and it's like syrup. Right. It's so sweet. And we're like, we like, we like, and they're like, we have, and I'm like, just give me the driest thing you have. And even that was like Dimitat. And so I'm like, this is, I can't do this. But on the way back, we had just had a week of wedding. We were exhausted and I was spitting the whole time. I wasn't even drinking because I knew I was driving back to town after. And I just fell asleep at like 530. And I woke up on the shoulder, like on the rumble strip, hitting, you know, like the roadside mailboxes, the the mailbox heads just popping off like dandelions in front of my windshield as I drive through a rack of them and turning the wheel just in time. So I didn't go full, like smashing dead on into this tree like i turned just enough that i just clipped it hard with the passenger side and just caved in the tire and my wife who was asleep next to me like you know we had our seat belts on but she like slammed the airbag and it broke her glasses and all fucked up at that oh my god that was that that was that car i love that car the only time (laughs) in my life that i ever uh would thank a cop I would say, you say this is <laughs> was very- when he didn't make me do a drug when he no. didn't give me a DUI test. Well, Charles, I don't drink, so they mm. can't get me on that one because it's I just do weed. They couldn't have gotten me either, but I was also yeah. rattled. I'm glad he didn't do anything because I said that I was on the wine trail and he still didn't do anything. But I thank this cop. There's this cop. Okay, I'm driving. I go to this concert. 
Okay. So Friday. Uh, okay. So there's, I love the Deftones. This is just my favorite uh-huh. band of all time. They yep. were just this band that they meant everything to me. And uh, they announced this thing called the Gorilla Tour. Like G U E, you know, uh-huh. and, and what that what it was was we'll announce the date, the day before the show, and uh-huh. you have to go to the venue, get the ticket, and then come back for the show the next day. Right. Um, so no pre-sale fucking shenanigans. Nothing. It's for people who care. Yeah. So it was in Cleveland, which is two hours away mm-hmm. from where I live. And we wanted to get there by eight in the morning. So my brother had this paper route and we did that. We knocked it out. So we're, we're up at five in the morning doing this. We're knocking this thing out. We drive up, we get the tickets, we drive home. And then I have like roughly, I don't know, 12 hours before we have to leave to go back to Cleveland. And right. I just, I don't, I don't get any sleep. It's just, there was no way that I was ever going to get any sleep. And, and right, you're wired as shit, man. <laughs> and everyone, you're going to see your favorite band. You've been doing this like crazy mission. Yeah, I get and it. It's a small venue. It's very, it's uh-huh. like a 400 person venue for this band that was now. Is this like in the flats or is yes. this like in the flats or where? Okay. Yes. So I, my brother to- went to, my brother went to case for law school. So uh-huh. we saw like a bunch of jazz in the flats and stuff when he was there. So I drive you know, up there. It, I get these tickets for my friends. Those motherfuckers, and this is this is classic. Those motherfuckers get shit faced at the concert. They're they're passing out. They're fucking throwing up all over the place. They're sleeping on the floor at the concert and just just as drunk as anybody's ever been. So of course, I'm driving because everybody gets drunk when I'm around. Because of they course. know I'll drive the fucking car. And I'll drive the car anywhere. I, I, I just, I never will drink. Uh, I'm driving home. And I just didn't have any sleep. I saw this concert. I'm in the mosh pit the whole fucking time. I'm sweating. I'm smoking. I'm exhausted. And I'm just about to fall asleep. I, I'm doing probably, because I got to that point where you're tired. And you're like, well, I, you know, it, I better speed. So that right. I get home before I fall asleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm going 85 and I got pulled over just outside of Columbus. If that fucking cop didn't pull me over, I can guarantee I was dead <laughs> because I was not going to live. I wish he wouldn't have given me an $85 ticket that I had to sure. drive 45 minutes out of town to pay. But. You know, I I got a bunch of tickets like in the just outside. Every ticket I've ever gotten is just outside of the city. So I have to drive. Oh, that's funny. I have. I've gotten a couple in the city, but the bad, my brother, my brother used to get popped in upstate New York all the time and all these like shitty little speed trap towns, which was always just a pain in the ass. You're part of the country, New York. Yeah, uh, that part of the country is. I mean, I've talked about it before. Uh, I had never been there, and we did a tour up there. We did a show in New York uh-huh. that was just a show, but then we did a tour up there. The first uh-huh. time we performed, the first two times I think we performed in New York, it was just a one and done, and then we left, and it was really fun. I had a, like a really great time in New York, but then we did the tour up there, and I'm not saying I didn't have fun, but I'm saying that like. 
it's a fucking police state up there in that part of, yeah. up in your part of the country. There's just, there's so many more police and people yeah. love the police so much more up there. Yeah. It's weird. It is. It's weird. I mean, it's all very conditional. You know, you see that all the time. It's conditional on the police treating other people like shit and not people like you. Yeah. Um, like then it's instantly, you know, the police are run by the Jews. Um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Irie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I the funniest is like the worst the worst around here isn't like New York, but in Virginia, speeding is somewhere mm-hmm. between a misdemeanor and a felony. I almost got it. Depending I almost got a felony. On- yeah, my mom did. My mom caught my I don't think she caught a felony charge, but she caught a misdemeanor charge. And the way it works is all buddy buddy. Like the reason it's like that is because there's like you get hit and then within a week, your mailbox fills up with mail from speeding ticket attorneys in uh virginia who handle exactly these kinds of cases and my brother actually took the laboring war on this and he like vetted a bunch of the people who wrote to my mom and picked out who she was going to work with and the guy is like a good old boy and he's basically like yeah whatever because they know the judge (laughs) who's going to handle it and they just negotiate or whatever and you like pay some big ass fucking fine and uh and then you're you're done right it gets knocked down to a violation it's not a misdemeanor anymore you know and my mom doesn't deserve any time in a virginia jail Um, but like the whole thing is just crazy and my mom was like just so mad about it and the police treated her so rudely Mm -hmm. and whatever and it was funny because i got to have like a good conversation with my mom about like not that my mom was ever against black lives matter, but you know, she's, you know, in her, she's passed since, but she's like in her seventies and she has like opinions about like things being what they are and what you see. And I'm like, now just like, number one, let's not forget mom that you were unambiguously guilty. Yeah. (laughs) Right. You were definitely going the exact miles per hour that he said you were when you pulled, he pulled you over. Now imagine that happens to you once a week and you're never guilty. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like that is, that is the experience that people who are not you, And so that's why they think cops are assholes much more than you do. I it's funny because like uh I grew up sort of uh uh I I don't know like when I grew up you didn't people didn't like the police. It wasn't Uh like Yeah, that's not that was not my experience. Cops were like like I I'm not passing that on, but my uh my my experience was that they were who you go to like you know you're safe that's like it was very it was very uh sanitized sense post, of what police are for yeah post 9 11 it turned that way where i'm from but where i'm where i grew up in 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 groveport ohio mm-hmm. 
it, we didn't like the police. We we I've talked about the goof we used to do where me and my friends would all stand around and smoke a cigarette. And then when the cops came around the corner, we would just take off running and start jumping fences so that they would chase <laughs> us. And then we would goof on them when they caught us and say, I don't, we didn't do anything. I don't know why you're chasing us. But like, <laughs> I, I didn't like, I, I couldn't actually believe after 9-11 when listen if i'm in new york and i saw what happened happen and i i i i you know chances are I probably knew somebody that died maybe knew a cop that died in 9 11 uh uh i am maybe having a period of time where i am uh uh he hesitant to talk shit about the police but like the thing that blew my mind was that like I was, I remember I was out hanging out with this, this redneck guy that I used to hang out with that was just fucking hated the cops. Uh, very stupidly one time, Charles, I'll tell you this story. You'll love it. Uh, uh, this, this redneck guy we knew was growing weed in his backyard. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of us found out about it and he was like a friend of ours and stuff. And he would like, we were teenagers and he would get us cigarettes and he would give us beers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like he was just this hillbilly guy that, that we grew up with and we knew. And, and he was like a, he was nice. He was an older man and, and we would hang with him, but we found out he was growing weed in his backyard and we were like, well, we got to steal that. So, uh, <laughs> We we waited till he went to work. We went in his backyard and we pulled the weed out by the roots and fucking took it and and broke it down and tried to dry it, but we did it in the oven. It just ended up ruining the weed and stuff. Ugh. But like worst of both worlds, man. <laughs> when he got home, and I don't even smoke. <laughs> when he got home, he was pissed. He was fucking mad and he was like yelling for us in the street like did you guys see anybody who stole you know uh who somebody stole something of mine and he like wouldn't sort of wouldn't tell us what it was <laughs> and, and we knew what it was of and course so we were like there's this sleazebag named Les that lives down the street that we hated and we were like well we saw uh we saw Les like in your backyard uh uh we didn't know what he was there when we told him to leave we were like hey last you you get the heck out of here <laughs> and uh <laughs> so jesus christ it's like a sitcom <laughs> <laughs> so this guy fucking gets on the phone and calls the police and says this guy less down the street broke into my backyard and stole my tomato plants and he's drunk and he's explaining it to the police and we're kind of standing there like yeah he stole his tomato plants i don't know we saw him go back there and like i always wondered like what the end game was of that because it wasn't like the cops were going to be like you give him his tomato plants back and then it's weed and then they let him have it <laughs> you know? right well, there's no situation where that could happen because it's all burned out in your oven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it was very crazy because it was all it was just one of those things of like he thought the I mean, and we all did. We all thought the police were so fucking stupid. And we thought they were you know, we knew them by name and we hated them. Yeah, we but mean can you imagine kids. like all I all I could think of with this story is your buddy who's calling about the tomato plant theft 
uh, is Big Lebowski, right? <laughs> We're working in shifts. <laughs> Yeah, he he was. <laughs> yeah, nuts, we're working dude. in shifts, buddy. We're running down your plants. He was nuts, dude. He he was a crazy fucking guy who got in a lot of fucking trouble at times too. You know, like yeah. I, there was a point where he was. Oh, roofing. You, you think? Yeah, there was a point. <laughs> he was a roofer. He's the guy that got me into roofing. Uh huh. And he, what ended up happening with him was he slid off the side of a roof and shattered <sighs> his his uh the ball oh. of his foot and like was off work for fucking ever and was getting paid his free right. pay and just it sent him down this fucking tailspin man and uh you know i i had the same thing happen to me when i when i was out with a broken wrist like there's only really two ways you can go you can go fucking tailspin and uh just your whole life falls out of order and you just pop pain pills all the time yeah and high and you just see, don't do anything but i had a kid as soon as it happened to me. like i had a two-year-old right. kid when it happened to me so i had something else i had to be doing right yeah i mean it's so funny like i grew up soft right i don't have any of that right i like i live, live grew up in queens it was a sort of quasi sub, quasi suburban existence and all of the people you know were the same kind of professional or near professional class parents and like in all of it i can only think of one one person in like my peer group who like fucked his life up enough to like end up you know you know in that kind of situation and he got like totally turned around by you know jail because he basically he did drugs young blah 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 I mean, and it just sort of but he oh, like but like one is like an insanely low number because the so kind of the social situation i was in you're much more likely to just end up sent to rehab than like bottoming out because your parents can kind of pay for rehab or whatever. And I don't even know much about that happening because it's the kind of thing that people don't talk about really. Yeah. You it know? was it, the, 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 the guys that I, I ran around with all did. I mean, I know people that went to jail and I think I, I think some of the guys I grew up with are still in prison uh, for stuff that they did. But you're, I, I you know, uh, obviously on this show, like all the time, I so much I talk about like drugs and and uh, drugs, sh drugs should be legal and shit, and they should. But yeah, uh -huh. one of the things when my daughter was before she was eighteen was like, I I kind of was like, hey, uh, you know. I'm not going to yell at you for doing anything because I do it all and I did it all. So like, I don't know what I can tell you other than when I was your age and I was doing these things, I was a fucking loser. And uh, it took me a <laughs> long time to steer out of that skid. Like it took me until right. I was in my thirties to, or, you know, to steer out of that skid and, and, and get something going and, and be the person that, you know, so my, yeah. my way of dealing with a teenager was like, listen, I would not do drugs if I had the chance to do it again. And you will have plenty of time to do drugs. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's funny because I'm, 
I like I've always been, you know, whether by disposition or, you know, cowardice or whatever, I've always been pretty straight edge, right? Like I've smoked pot a half dozen times in my life. I never really enjoyed it and I've never done anything else, right? Social drinker because I get drunk, like I get nauseous before I get enjoyably drunk Same more here, often. So I'll take like, so I'll have like a beer or two to take the edge off, but it like, it's rare that I can just get myself hammered before I want to just puke my guts out. So like pretty straight edge, my wife, pretty straight edge. And so we are just kind of hoping that by disposition, my kid's 14, that he doesn't have a ton of interest in it. And we don't want to kind of speak approvingly of it, but we also are not going to be super judgmental unless we think it's fucking up his life in like a really significant way. Because I know too many people, like it's just too normal to be like a huge, like, extra paranoid asshole about it while I'm okay with being a moderately paranoid asshole about it. I think, you know, I think the thing that you have to think about when you have a kid that is a teenager that you, they might, they might do some drugs is one. It like my parents, when I was growing up would say, Hey, if you're ever out, and you're drinking and the person that's driving is drinking uh, and you need a ride home, you call us, we'll pick Yeah, we'll come up. get you from no, fucking anywhere. No right? question. We'll just that. get in the car. Yep. I did not you just find it. I didn't oh, trust them, funny. so I never did it. I fucking, yeah. my, I, I had a guy driving a car one time drinking a 40 of, of old English that I said, don't fucking drink that 40 while you're driving. Don't drink that beer right. while you're driving. So he peeled the fucking uh, uh, label off and wrote water on it and said, oh, there, good. are you happy? <laughs> and I was right. like, no, I'm not. I have, but <laughs> like, I, I didn't trust. And, and I think that the thing when you're parenting in that way is like, you need to do the job of making them trust you. Is yeah, what you need I was going to say trustworthy at all. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. They said the right thing. And I'd like to think <laughs> that, you know, but I'd like to think that, you know, we are, but, you know, we won't know until the rubber meets the road, I guess, you know, but uh, yeah, I think that's right. You, like, I, that's all I just that all I want is for him to feel like he can trust me. I mean, shit like and, that ultimately and i think the big nightmares that people have about their kids getting getting on drugs or whatever like that uh are are semi overblown because teenagers i mean very rarely do teenagers go further than weed uh yeah maybe psychedelics or uh i dude i didn't touch anything other than acid weed yeah and uh alcohol until I was not a teenager anymore. Like right. an acid's not, I, I always talk about this on a POD cast with John because he's never done. He's not a drugs guy. Uh -huh. Yeah. 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 He said, growing up, uh, the word acid made him like, why are people doing like it freaked him right. out. <laughs> right. He was thinking just like that. People were just like stealing shit from chem lab. And yeah. like burning their insides out. Well, I um, thought it too. I had the same thought too. I'll be honest. I did when I first heard somebody say they were doing acid was like, wow, they're doing acid. But I thought, 
oh, that sounds yeah. badass. I got to do some of that acid. That's funny. Like, right. Of course. I grew, I'm lucky. <laughs> I, I, I was the type of person growing up that was like, you would hear, oh, what is that? Did you guys play the pass out game where you grew up? Or no, were you I mean, smart look, I that? wasn't, I'm sure that the cooler parties were doing that, but I wasn't invited to them. It was, we found out that there is a game. It, it made it on the news, the pass out. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was this game that I don't know. You breathe in real deep, and then they push on your chest, and then you pass out. That's the whole oh, fucking oh, game. And they say sounds it, like in excess without jerking off. <laughs> they say it gives you a buzz because you're right. dizzy because there's not oxygen going to your brain, right, right or whatever. Yeah. And people, kids died playing the pass. Right. Out yes. Game. Right. And they didn't even get like that one final rope. Like and Michael Hutchins. And as soon as I heard, <laughs> as soon as I heard that people were dying from playing the pass out game, I was like, we got to play the fucking pass. Right. Out of game. course. Yeah. <laughs> we have very different predispositions. Yeah. I'm like that now, though. I'm like, I have right. no disposition now, you know, like right. I've been talking about. Well, but yeah, I mean, now we're old enough that you should. I think I'd have enjoyed my time as a teenager better if I weren't like wearing a helmet. Yeah. Um, you just you know, something, the, you just like think like, I don't know. I, 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 I didn't, I don't act like this now because I'm, I'm paranoid about, I'm, I'm just scared of everything. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to, you know, and, yeah, yeah. but like back then it was like, fuck it. If I die, I die. I don't care. Yeah. Like, it's funny. It's making, it's making me think of a story. Like when I was in, I probably in college, like, I think it was probably like a party over Christmas break when everyone was back in town, you know, from college. And, you know, we all grew up in New York city and I was in Queens, but a lot of people were from, you know, Manhattan and the Bronx and were less sheltered and more, you know, kind of cool and sophisticated, even at nerd school. And, um, this guy was just talking about how he was like going to college in Wisconsin and they went out in, uh, they were hanging out, like driving through the state or whatever. And they met up with like these girls and some, you know, boondocks County or whatever. And they thought that they, like, they were so cool. Like they did, they smoked pot. Occasionally they did Coke and they're talking to these townies and they're just like injecting bong water. And he's like, we know nothing. <laughs> we are, we are, we are the most coddled little nothing, you know, like these people who we think of as hicks are doing drugs that we've never imagined. Oh, yeah. They're like, like they're building chem labs in their, you know, in their backyards and we think we're cool because we can call a guy up to bring us a you know <laughs> you know to well, bring us a gram of coke or whatever i mean the first the, the very one uh like i have this like really early memory of like i'm gonna move to new york and I, I really wanted to do it. I had it in my mind. Like, this is the place I need. That's the place I need to go. But like my vision of it was like the vision of like fucking gangs of New York. Like people were dumping <laughs> trash out the windows and stuff like that. Like I didn't have any idea of like what it actually was growing up. And then like once, I, and then, so as I get older, I'm running around and I'm telling people, uh, 
yeah, you know, I'll probably move to New York someday. I'm not quite an L.A. type, like a California hippie dippy guy. So uh-huh. fast forward when I'm touring, I'm going to fucking everywhere. And uh, I am actually a California hippie dippy guy. Uh-huh. If I could <laughs> move anywhere in the world, it would be L.A. And it is really because the difference between the West coast and everywhere else is so pronounced the way, Uh, the way that things are out there that, that is just like, I mean, everybody's a little less paranoid. Everybody's a little less worried about, it feels like worried about what their kids are doing. Although New York feels like the ultimate people aren't worried about what their kids are doing when you don't live. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I think, uh, I think you get a little, I think you get a little more in deep and you'd see that that's not true. I think people here are super paranoid and like hyper hyper status conscious well i think of it i i think of it like so when i'm growing everyone here is ready to take up arms to like (laughs) make sure their kid finishes on top you know i i I get up i i go to 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 like i i I get up in the morning and i run around the neighborhood all day you know Uh that's all we're doing and when you picture growing up in new york you picture riding the subway going to all these really neat places uh mm-hmm. and, and these kids being able to like live this more fun interesting life than us being in the woods shooting firecrackers yeah. at each other yeah sure but the kids here are <laughs> jealous of the uh, grass is always greener everyone here would love to be just shooting off firecrackers and i think and i do think actually you'd find new york insanely walkable ultimately oh it is i love it that's one of my things i when i was in brooklyn when we were staying in brooklyn i just walked and i walked all day but i will tell you something though there is a city that's more walkable than new york that people don't bring up as walkable and that is las vegas is oh interesting of what dude i I've never been. It's insane because I'm a big sports guy and a moderate gambling guy, and I've never been to Vegas. I was close to 40,000 steps every day just in the course of like hanging out in Las Vegas. Not even like, not even just from like, I I mean, obviously I intentionally walk all the time. Right, right. But like, you know, getting there at like, you're looking at 36,000 steps just on the strip because these fucking casinos are huge and you want to keep going into all the different casinos. There's something about being able to like, I don't know, like you're taking long walks in now it's a disgusting place that's hideous and they have escalators on the street instead of steps, which is, I can't think of anything less fucked than that yeah uh, though i also think it's probably like 120 degrees it is. uh and an old population so you know that's that's keeping people from dying probably i can't believe you've been i can't believe you haven't been like i've it, never been i've had opportunities but like none of my friends actually did their bachelor parties there and like the things you know i used to play poker and was in kind of a community of people who blogged a little bit about poker and so they would like have annual trips and the timing never worked out so i never went and so las vegas is one of those places i've just never been it's crazy to me 
That is that is wild. It is. I don't think I ever thought I was going to go. Uh, it was because of wrestling was uh-huh. happening there. Of and, course. Uh, we wanted to tour to go out there and watch wrestling. Yeah. And yep. uh, that's what gets me around the country more than anything is wrestling. Like I'll, I'll travel for wrestling. That's funny. Anytime. Yeah. I love traveling for wrestling. It just, you know, I, I, I know a bunch, I'm in kind of like the poker community. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm in this community of people that travels to wrestling gigs. So yeah. it is, just you know, it's fun. funny. A couple of my old comic friends, I don't know if they still do it, but they had a podcast. So you may know of them, but uh, it was called, I think it was just called we watch wrestling. Oh, I've heard but of that. Uh, that's Matt McCarthy and Vince Averill are a couple of guys who I did, uh, who I, you know, used to do open mics with here in New York. And now Matt is actually, you know, he's getting like real work. I forgot the name of his, I think he's on the, the uh, the Pete Holmes's new bowling sitcom oh. now because Pete Holmes was another guy who like he was way ahead of me on the career track but we overlapped in New York uh, when he was here um, but so Matt like but he's always been always been like a huge huge uh, wrestling guy it, it's wonderful how. I, I don't know. It's one of those things that's like, I'm so happy I got back into it. Uh-huh. Like, uh, it just feels like I, I, it feels like a thing. I, I, the way that people like sports, it feels really good to be able to analyze something in the same way that people analyze like football, but it's yeah. also not real. <laughs> like you're, right. you're kind of analyzing I, both. It's I was going to say, it's more like literary analysis. I mean, you're like, you're kind of, you're, you're admiring the athleticism, but it's kind of like literary analysis. And I have, I have come over the course of my, you know, too long on Twitter because I'm not a wrestling guy. I'm a, I'm a like real wrestling guy, like college and Olympic stuff. Um, yeah, but I'm not like I I was into it when I was a kid and then I kind of outgrew it in the way that kids do. And then I just didn't get back into it as an adult. And I always sort of thought it was weird only to find as an adult that all these people who I'm friends with and respect online are super into wrestling. And it I can't get into it because my brain is what my brain is, but it feels so fuck. It looks so fucking liberating <laughs> to find it fun. It you is. know, like, you like that may sound like smug Charles. or dumb or condescending, but I absolutely mean it like to be able to like release yourself in a way that I'm too tightly wound to do. And it just seems like, really cathartic to just go to a place and scream at this you know pageant this like you know real kind of total spectacle it's you know and the people who do it they're like yeah it's fun as shit and i'm like yeah i wish i were you i I wish i were that guy i have that weird feeling about like comedy now where like there i i loved it at a point in my like stand up, I fucking mm-hmm. loved it so much. And I don't think I've enjoyed much of any stand up. And like, actually, no, Ryan Williams is a guy. He just did the show last week and I did laugh at his stuff. But like last week, I was watching 
uh, Dane Cook's Vicious Circle and yeah. uh, for a thing I'm doing. And mm. uh, I just, man, it was not a good experience. And no, what? I've, I, I have tried to, I stay away a little for the same reason. I tell people I went, when I was, when I, I went to Boston to hang out with Luke O'Neill a couple of years ago, and we went to like a local comedy show and he, I ruined it for him. Yeah. I absolutely ruined it for him by just being dour and judgmental. And I'm like, yeah, that premise is dumb. This, like, this person took like two and a half minutes to set up a mediocre joke. And like, I was just, I'm too, I, and it's not even that I'm great at it. I don't think I can do it really anymore, <laughs> except in a really small, intimate, like environment or whatever. Like I couldn't do a fucking stadium. They'd hate me, but like at a small show where I'm being casual and offbeat or whatever, I could still like bullshit for 10 funny minutes or whatever, but I can, I'm like a real dick watching yeah. other people because I did it and was so into it for so long that I get really mad when people do a shitty job of it. Like, like I, like Nate Bargatze, who's huge now, it was another guy who was like doing open mics at the same time as me. And he knows how to write a fucking joke. Yeah. I'm so happy for his success because like he just, he just writes one like, like simple premises and then writes the shit out of them. And that, you know, they feel authentic and they're good. And his politics, I think, are more conservative than mine. And some of the jokes that I heard when he was first making it, I was like, Brr. but it's all so fucking good. Like, it's yeah. really high quality stuff. And so that I found really watchable, you know. And so guys who can really write, I just like so much more than people. Like Dane Cook is all personality. There's no writing. The premises are bullshit. The jokes <laughs> are bullshit. It's all nonsense. Yeah. You know. I find him fascinating. That's why I'm doing the series on him in a way mm -hmm. is like, there's something in, in, in my mind about, you know, people who get there and they get what they want and then it just goes away quick. It's like that, that burning too bright thing mm -hmm. is really fascinating to me yeah. and it's yeah. also like i think a lot of times like especially looking at dang cook it's like i guess i know what i mean obviously it was college bro guys but also like if a stand-up comedian can get women to like him i mean that's it that's that's right that's exactly what how you end up at Madison Square Garden during right. shows, you know, as Dan Cook, who is a guy that just other guys have done the garden that are talented. And right. uh, I have like a big <laughs> I have I, I'm 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 consuming so much Dan Cook right now that I'm just wow. like, uh, I don't know, man. I don't I don't think this I guy can't, deserves I it. can't I I can't watch comedy ironically. Like people joke about Dan Einan. And I used to be on a message board where he would like fight like relentlessly with people. And when I found out that he was like a figure that other people on Twitter knew, I was like, how the fuck does everyone know this weirdo who used to fight on an MSN 
message board called like the Comics Asylum or something. And everyone there was a shitty open mic or like a couple of people made good or whatever, but they were all like me, like guys who weren't going anywhere. You know, some of them were funny. A lot of them were not. And they would be like, Dan, you have your premises are like garbage and hacky. And he would fight with every single one of them. He was doing the shit where he would send photos of himself on planes and his flame and yones in first class and all this fucking crazy shit and then i found out that he was like you know on nick mullen's enemies list and i think that's gotta be how he got introduced to the wider world and i was like this guy is not supposed to be this well known yeah i didn't know i don't (laughs) and i watched i made it through five minutes and i couldn't watch more than five minutes of his set i couldn't watch more than 30 seconds of steven crowder he's you know like i tried to watch them I tried to watch them. And my favorite was Steven Crowder. He walks out. It's a college show. And it's a college show where they book Steven Crowder. So it's got to be a sympathetic audience. And he's like, who here? He's like, hey, whatever, college. Who here loves the troops? <laughs> like, they're like, what kind of, what is that? Like, and I was like, I can't keep watching. I'm going to kill myself if I watch more than this. So the show that comes out tomorrow on the Patreon, uh, tomorrow, Friday, this comes out on Thursday, but I don't know why I felt the need to explain that to you. But the show that comes out on the Patreon tomorrow is uh, called Gutshot. And the reason I'm doing it is because I get, obviously, I get recommended a lot of stuff on YouTube that people would hate and that you know, <laughs> obviously not something I, most of it i don't like yeah you've 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 positioned yourself as a glutton for punishment yeah but what comes up one time is the gutfeld opening monologue for his show oh, and oh. uh i don't know what made me do it i think maybe i saw the closed captioning saying something that i thought like what what what's this so i clicked the fucking thing and he's talking to a live studio audience and he's fucking bombing. And I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that I talked to an audience that was there for me when we did live gigs that we sold the tickets. The, so the room right. was filled with people who wanted to see us. It wasn't like right. Yeah, I was at the I was at the the show at Union, not Union Hall, at, uh, Littlefield. 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 Yeah. And and we killed every time. And right. That's because it's easy because everybody's there to see you. <laughs> You're right. Get it. <laughs> and I just was like, they bring in an audience for Gutfeld every day. And I can't imagine that it's like regular people that are just like, oh, I want to go see a show. So I'm going to go see Gutfeld. I assume it's people who are in town and want to see Gutfeld. And like, I can't even wrap my mind around the responses he gets to his jokes. It's fucking <laughs> crazy to me. I, I've eaten shit. I have bombed. I have done stand up at an open mic and I yeah. have eaten shit. Oh it, yeah. It's horror. It's a horrible feeling, but I just have, I, I, I think I could do better than him. Like any yeah. day of the week without even writing anything. And that's mm-hmm. why we're doing this thing. Like that's why the series number one, it's cause I just finished October and every year when I finish October, I just want to do something. I don't have to prep. 
But uh, Gutshot right. is a show where I will name four Greg Gutfeld opening uh, segments, and we will watch one in its entirety and make fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to be prepared either. But right. like that to me is not, not to horn myself in, but if you want an asshole comedy critic to join you, <laughs> take apart Gutfeld and oh. you haven't fully booked that already. I don't know. I will if sit in. I'm not sure if I think I might have another one. I will let you know. Uh, okay. Or I'll bring you in with somebody else. I don't care. We three of us can do yeah. it. It'd be fun. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I, I decided to call it gut shot because it's like uh, a gut shot you feel like right. you're being killed but i think it's gonna be fun and i just don't i understand how i think chapo really helped me in that like understanding that sort of uh, uh welfare system for uh -huh. unfunny conservative guys oh yeah like i didn't i wouldn't have known that and i think gutfeld or crowder would be driving me truly insane right now if I didn't know that like there was no way they could fail. It's not like something where people think they're talented. They just fucking, you know, the Coke brothers are spending a bunch of money right. to get people to watch them. <laughs> right, right. They did just well enough on the personality test to leap that first bar. Mm -hmm. Right. Where you're like, I am a person who can string together sentences without long pauses. And I can do, you know, like purred happily that has the structure of a joke or the cadence that has the cadence of a joke. So I'll laugh now. I right. And so like th that's who those two guys are to me. And they like that's all you need for, uh, you know, for the wingnut welfare system. Yeah. Is like to be that. Well, what we're going to do now, before we get out of here, I, I had this story that I saw and I wanted to read it sure. and we will, we will cover this story and then we will be done. A couple of old gentlemen, a couple of older gentlemen, uh, reading a New York post story that I saw that came up, uh, big mm -hmm. fan of the New York post. Um, <laughs> I love their opinion pages. Oh. I just find them so funny. And this one wrecked me. Uh, that okay so is happy hour really that happy that's the debate on tap as workers settle back into going to the office and potentially grabbing drinks with co-workers at the end of the day some young millennials and gen zers who tend to be ever connected with healthy work-life boundaries he, he quote healthy, of course healthy work-life boundaries <laughs> are taking a stance against socializing with colleagues I enjoy my private life and enjoy to not hang out with coworkers when I'm trying to relax and not think about work. Michael Nicosa, 27, told the Post. First of all, that's not a Gen Z. 27. <laughs> I don't. I. You know I, what? I'm so far above. I have. They can call themselves whatever the fuck they want. I'm Gen X, and that's too. it. The Dallas, Texas asset manager likes the people in his office, but when he's off the clock, he prefers not to be thinking about work. When I've previously gone out with coworkers for drinks, 90% of the conversation is centered around work, work gossip, and the like, he said. Yeah, no shit, because that's the only thing we have in common with the right. people we work with. Right. <laughs> Right. Like, I can't believe you would treat this as something contemptible instead of the most basic human observation. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like to be mad about this is literally like, I mean, it's all wrapped up in scare quotes on work-life balance, right? Yeah. Like the idea that you would want to have a life outside of work is a sign of your weakness. And, and so like, we think we should have, uh, you know, social work environments, uh, whatever, like I, I, you know, I had a bunch of office jobs where there was like, you know, pizza Fridays at five o'clock, you know, and it was all right. You know, I'm big guy. I like a free slice of pizza, (laughs) but like I there was a limit to how much of that I could take. And there were certain workplaces where I absolutely hated it. You know, my first job had it. And I was just like, I don't, I can't believe that I would be this not interested in getting, you know, an open bar, but I got to get the fuck out of here. I was the same way. I, 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 I've told this story a million times when it comes to work-life balance, but there was a softball game between in-house and contractors at the cable company. And my boss was like, Hey, you want to play, you want to play softball? And I looked at him in front of people and I said I will never play softball like <laughs> like walked out or I said something like that and I also said no thanks I have friends I would say that a lot of times that, that was the Christmas party you want to come to the Christmas party I was like no thanks I have friends and yes. uh, people just disliked me so much so intensely my management did but I just right. kind of a chicken egg thing there yeah. uh, I don't know <laughs> I, I don't, don't know that we can fully it. put that one on them. <laughs> yeah, I just would never do it. I just don't have in my yeah. mind, like, I don't have that thing in my mind where it's like, I want to just, I don't know. If I like you, I'll find you. And that's what right. I think is really happening with this story is this guy that's writing this story doesn't get invited right. out to drinks with the Gen Z people that he's working with. It's 100% that because they're going out. People that work together hang out together most of the time. And you know what? If they aren't, they don't want to. Well, why are you going to try to force and, them? What's the and point? Right. That's the thing. It's the difference between going out for drinks with a couple of people in the office who you shit talk the rest of the people with mm-hmm. or a thing that's organized from the top and everyone from work goes to. And I wasn't even against those. I did play on the softball team you know once when we finally got it together i thought it was fun i go to the christmas party and that kind of thing because like the big ones you hang out with just a couple of people Mm -hmm. but it's fancy food and it's like nice once or twice a year right but the but the happy hours man I just had very very limited tolerance for if anyone from like up or the, if the partners were going to be there and stuff i just i mostly was like i don't really want to do this i'm gonna like you know if i have to make an appearance for appearance sake then i'll do it and get the hell out but mostly man oof yeah it's just an annoying no. part of work and it's also like i think it for like a lawyer or like uh uh i think that like the higher level sort of jobs can do it and it's great but if you're asking some 22 year old that like is at the entry level position at the company to come and hang out with you at the bar after work 
that's stupid. Like, why would yeah. they fucking do that? You right. know? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. The, the one thing that I think about all the time was, you know, they would, when someone was leaving, they would like, you know, the firm would like spring for their going away party, right? They would just, you know, someone would just have a firm credit card and they would just buy drinks for everyone for a while at a bar near the office. And I was in a conversation with two of my colleagues and one of them, like me, like I was making the point that you take every day of vacation you have. Yes. <laughs> because if you don't take every day of vacation you have, you're just getting a cut in your own pay. It's part of the deal they made with you. They can try to guilt you about it, but that just means that they're dishonest. <laughs> you're like taking all yeah. these dumb principled stands, right? But so I'm talking about this and one of the women who I'm talking to is like me kind of a you know closet revolutionary who will never do anything about it and so she's like yes take every day blah 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 and the third person you can see her eyes just fucking darting around like who's hearing this do you believe this am i i'm no 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 like am i gonna get am i gonna get caught up in this conversation, like the fucking Stasi is watching, and she's like, "Do they think that I think that?" And like, you could feel her slowly backing away, <laughs> and it was just so, it was just so funny to us, like that she was just like, "Uh, you know." It used even to make, if it makes me sad to think of people who aren't using all their vacation or sick days. Yeah. I mean, I used all my sick days. I didn't fucking care. I I used every fucking minute. Oh, you see. Of time you see, I, I can't off. I can't do that. I basically basically have unlimited sick days. Ah, uh, that yeah. is like I am at the like and so I just can't like that like I'm I you know, I'm a lawyer and they're just not going to like tell lawyers <laughs> that kind of shit. And so, I mean, I'm sure there are circumstances where that's not true, but basically, you know, in the environment where I work, you just have sick days, but yeah. you do have limited vacation. And I just sort of started a new job in May. And so I got to figure out how much I have to take in December <laughs> just oh, so yeah, I actually that whole- take my time. Like, and I love it. I love take. I love taking yeah. off between Christmas and New Year's. That you know, just one. like just like saying peace out on December 23rd and not seeing anyone again until the 3rd of January. Or that one is I never had that in my life until the the podcast took off. And uh-huh. now I'm taking a month off. But like I never had that week between off ever. Yeah. The cable company's open. I mean, the cable company's open on fucking Christmas, but you they don't make they they're on call. Right. You know, but like I mean, it's. Before I had a kid, I used to just take my vacation over the course of the year. But once I did have a kid, like he doesn't love traveling. And so vacation just is like, you know, whatever. So I just, man, you're four years away. (laughs) Um, And so for me, vacation is just not working mostly and so like taking it between christmas and new year's is perfect that's just a great way to kind of end the year and then you know maybe periodically take a week where i just want to burn it in the middle of the year if i have like a writing project i want to do or if i want to do like a day trip to whatever you know it's so so funny that as they get older you know He's 14. You're like, you want to go on vacation? He's like, I don't want to travel. I, I, you know, I like being here. And uh, you're like, okay, fine. We won't do it. And 
you know, my daughter was the same way. And then now that she's 18 for the past three years, it's like, Hey, do you want to go to Chicago? Oh no, I don't think so. All right. Me and your mom are going to Chicago. Oh, all right. Then. Oh, actually, interesting. I would actually like to go to Chicago. <laughs> I, oh, I didn't want to. I was, now I would like to. And she comes with us. We just did. Oh, that's great. Yeah. As soon as you say you're going to do it without them, they're like, wait a minute. No, you don't do stuff without me. Like, that's how my <laughs> kid was. I, I only right. child thing. My daughter's got the only child stuff, too. So Yeah, me I, too. Yeah. It's sort of one of those things where, like, she likes us and and like it's really weird for me and her mom because we don't like our parents so mm -hmm. it, it's like such this it's this like really weird situation where like I, i'm like man she, she this kid i think i think our kid's a little bit weird man she likes you know first of all she doesn't hang out with us at all anymore but she used to like right. hanging out with us i think she likes us too much because i just expected she was supposed to hate us because when your kid is born Every adult that has a kid is like, oh, just wait till they're a teenager and right. they're going to do all this stuff and it's going to be really hard for you. You're going to get, I got, you're going to get back what you did to yeah. your parents is what I got. And I didn't, it couldn't have been easier, but the reason right. it was easy is because easier than what my parents had was because my parents spent all their time fucking being assholes and like trying like <laughs> like trying to stop me from doing things i wanted to do you know it right. was sort of like uh okay well you got bad grades now you're grounded and now i have to monitor you because you're grounded and we don't want you to just sneak out of the house so now you're fucking in the business of fucking monitoring me right a cab man <laughs> yeah well <laughs> I, I looked at it like and that's how I was thinking with my kid. It's like, I don't want to fucking monitor her. I don't right. want to be doing this thing where like, yeah. oh, I don't know. She shouldn't sneak out. So I was always just like, go. I don't fucking care. Do what you got to do, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, curfew is the only thing I worry about. Uh, but now that she's 18, I don't even worry about that, you know. Right. Because I got a curfew right. violation growing up, Charles. I, I know you would never believe that. But right. uh they, I never did, and I know you would never believe that. <laughs> they they knocked it down. They knocked a weed possession charge down to a curfew violation for me ah. because I lied uh, in court and told them that the, some mean teenagers made me go with them to smoke weed at a park in the oh. middle of the night, and uh, they yeah. felt sorry for me. Uh, right, but that's not actually what happened. Like I actually, yes, I'm not surprised <laughs> to find that out. Uh, I don't want to go to the weed park. I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin this for you, but I picked up the plot early. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to the weed park. I'm going, <laughs> I want to go so bad. It, that's stupid. If you're, if you're young and you're don't smoke weed in a park, it's the dumbest possible thing you can do, especially really? in a park. Yeah. Because, Oh, you mean because it's like, there because right i was gonna say because it's like public territory you mean you you're saying go to the woods do it in your friend's backyard do like someplace where uh you're unlikely to be intruded upon yeah well now parents yeah. just let their kids smoke weed anyway so yeah, it's know. just not even like a, a thing it's like all the kids in my neighborhood get high uh yeah i always think it's really funny for my friends who do smoke 
uh, who hide it from their kids and then are it's like silly. really straight edge. I don't, I don't know how you could pull that off. I mean, I'm a loser, so it's all sincere when I, when I worry about drugs, but the ones who are like cooler than me and actually are doing drugs and are also like, don't do drugs. I'm like, I don't know how you, I don't know how you have that dissonance. Yeah. You're I don't like, I can't process it. Your kid knows. I mean, like <laughs> anything that you're doing, like it's so weird to me the way people raise kids thinking that like, you know, once your kid's a teenager, they're not fucking stupid idiots. They know what you do. You know, yeah. it's, it's not, I, I mean, you can keep some secrets from them, but not many. They're, they're right. They get to be pretty fucking smart as they, as they uh, uh, get older and you just have to feel like, you just have to do the thing where you're like, well, I just, uh, you know, be nice if you don't get in trouble. I actually, my <laughs> thing as a teen, when she was a teenager was do not get in trouble so that I have to pick you up from somebody's house and then yell at you. Like I'm really mad. Like don't make me put on a show for somebody's parents. <laughs> like my parents would do, but my parents would get really mad, but you know how it is. Like you get caught doing something at somebody's house and then the parents yeah. come and they're like, Oh yeah you know yelling and and my parents did that and got me in trouble but like uh i would have been putting on a show because I, I ain't fucking grounded nobody and i'm not a cop right i'm not a fucking right. prison warden in this house right yeah uh, well charles yep. i want to thank you for doing this show with me co-hosting you're one of my favorite people online you've helped oh, me immeasurably in my arguments with people uh about <laughs> supreme shirts on tv and um <laughs> Obviously, I'll have you back on again. You're my birthday buddy. And uh, yeah. oh, speaking of, I wanted to say I'm not your first birthday buddy. Who is Karen Geyer? Karen Geyer is also Karen Geyer is also a birthday buddy. Yeah. And Jonathan Davis from Corn. Right. Right. But have you had Jonathan Davis on yet? The motherfucker will not. He the motherfucker will not do my show. I tried. I fucking got a hold of his his uh, people. And there is no reason for him not to do the POD cast. I think he's a conservative is oh. the reason he doesn't want to do a show with me, I think would be the problem, but I'm going oh, to that sick new world festival. And I might see if I can get a, uh, a press pass. Press pass. And try yeah, to meet him. yeah. I mean, I have it. tickets, so they don't have to let me in for free. So right. maybe I can and then you could just be like, look, man, I promise it'll be respectful. I promise that we won't talk about vaccines like yes. we don't have to do any of that. All I want to talk about is music because that's where we meet, man. Yeah, I would. We have a love of that shit. Why would I talk to him about politics? Like, why? Right. Would I even do it? I mean, you like know? if you I mean, if you're kindred spirits or if it's like, you know, going to be like productive and fun to talk about someone who you mildly disagree with in a way where neither of you want to punch each other. Sure. It's fucking worth it. You know, like to be able to pick the brain of someone you admire anyway, for other reasons. But if he's going to be resistant to that, just fucking talk about power cords, man. Talk about freak on a leash, bro. It's right. fine. Well, Charles, <laughs> tell people where to find you. Uh, well, I mean, you girls on Twitter is the big place and I got a link tree in my bio for all the other stuff, but the podcast is a lab series with, uh, you know, hell dude, I'll like, or Wyatt privilege, garlic, Corgi, Fleer ultra, 
you know, funny and fucking people. It's an insane. Yeah. Line. But this is like small. This is like pared down from, you know, what we used to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then hostile witness, which comes out sort of less often. But when I kind of have something that the uh, the A-Lib guys would shoot spitballs at me for wanting to talk about, which is like any current events. Yeah. Um uh, and that's with uh, Patrick Cosmos, who's very important on Twitter, and Eric Michael. He's you a know. wrestling guy, Patrick Cosmos. Yes, yeah, he guy. is. He is. He's a wrestling guy. Um, you know, and so those are those are my things. Well, thank, uh, those are my things. Thank you for having me. On. Thank this you for co-hosting with me, Charles. It was very always fun. a pleasure, man. You're and the best. I, and patrons tomorrow, gut shot. Get into big dude. Mama Muda. Big Ben Grrr oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only bitch is my heart Gangsta, y'all know these niggas don't like me. Don't like me. Drake hit like a cannon on lightning. These bitches be talking, they like me. Don't like me. These bitches be dogs, don't bite me. These bitches gon' fuck us, you icing. Blew my ex in the wind, she hiking. Bitch, I'm that nigga, I'm spicy. Don't talk if you broke and you typing. CMG nigga, I'm icy. I'm big dude, check out my prices. Little mama hate they don't thug it with members. Them my little niggas, they piping. Look at my rollie, bitch, look like a sucker. She wanna get nasty and bright. From my little members indicted. Just bought me a bullet, she feisty. I know they speak on my name, they ask for a favor, they know it ain't none of that. I see I'm talking no internet gangster, see him in person, it's none of that. They wanna link up after the argument, fuck that, I don't trust none of that. Drake too far, make them jaw backwards, that's why they call him a running back. Letter from got it, bull, keep talking your shit, you dropping your ass on. These niggas watching your style like 12, these niggas clocking their ass on. Stop fucking with shot the little mama was irritated, she was talking her ass on. Nigga, I push that button by midnight, they'll be knocking your ass on. Cars, big guns, fat blunts, big lungs, baby Draco, big drums, bad bitch, lit con, 40 ball, rich guns, real rum, catch niggas, hellcat, black niggas, wide body sack members. How many young niggas will ever meet? You know I'ma pop this shit on. Whoever I see that say something about me on cue, I'ma knock that shit off. When I'm in the club, they playing something that I don't like, hey, cut this shit off. These niggas mad at themselves, they dropping they dishes, this shit ain't even get off. When I'm in the city, I'm riding the off, head cock going out, shirt off. High as a beast, but soon as I see the police, this shit get the word off. They chop on my mama, you get out of line, no question. She yelling, she going off. I hate them niggas that drunk in the club. Please don't die off this burn off. Nigga, I'm chosen, nigga, I'm golden, nigga. I got my own voice. My niggas thugging, them niggas so jazz. If them niggas dump out a Rolls Royce, these niggas be saying they solid, they moving so sloppy, they turn on they homeboy. How you gonna roam some niggas that playing on talk about killing your homeboy? I'm Mr. Put that shit on. They trying to diss this to get on Yeah, you gon' die if you get wrong Yeah, you gon' fly, you gon' miss home yeah, yeah. Bitch, I'm a rich nigga, leg runner Murder member, headhunter Chopper talking, fair runner It's a killer, head corner Glock 40, Glock burner Wide body, block burner Beat the pussy, Ike Turner Baby Drake, Ice Burner I bang murder, murder This me bet I heard her